And then I thought, why did I almost say no? Because it was easy to say no, right? Sometimes our life, just living it the exact same way, the same job, the same people, the same experiences, right? It's because it's easy. It's what you know. So that's when I realized like an enriching life that uplifts you, guess what? It takes effort. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. What's up, guys? Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, period. <laughs> Had to start a little late today. Got a little testy and wrote a very long email. <laughs> when you're in the vo- when you're in the vortex, yo, I say keep going. Bye bye, bye bye. <laughs> it's actually a problem. I need to chill. What is that? Can we get? We can't give them context because it's a no. little private. But it's not even like a big deal. Like you no. guys would be like, oh, that's normal. That's normal business, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree. But. Because we're in this space that yeah. is still so uncharted and like new, it's very hard to educate people who maybe we partner with or we do business with on the value of what we're doing. <laughs> and just don't it, they don't understand the process, you know, that we have or the way that podcasting, like, I guess too, just I don't think unless people know us and they know what we're doing, how seriously we take it, you know, like, so when someone says, Hey, can you just X, Y, and Z shout me out on an episode, you know, something like that, say as an example, it's like, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm prohibiting myself from saying something like that. It's like, I have, we're recording so much, you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. We're doing all the business in the morning, recording in the afternoon. Yeah. Period. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Like we're working on You can't tell the Today Show to shout you out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Not that we're the Today Show. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hey, Oprah didn't just shout everyone out. (laughs) But like this is curated content. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not loosey goosey about like what we mentioned because we fucking care about you guys. And we know you guys are... Are like hawks. hawks. You can smell it from a mile away when we're and we don't do it. You I'm know, trying like, to be a better gatekeeper. Yes. Like I'm actually yeah. trying to be Completely. more ironclad about what I'm saying to you guys and what we're talking about and what I'm sharing with you. You know, not even like the personal stuff. Like I'll tell you guys anything, but like a brand or a routine or whatever it is, I'm trying to vet it more. You yes, know, absolutely. Than than often than not. So yeah. Now that I got that out. <laughs> I keep looking at your little tassels on your oh, sweatshirt. Yeah. looks like you have a lanyard on and you look say? like you just came from like the Blink-182 concert with a I'm lanyard. I'm really like <laughs> interesting today, my style. 
No, but I keep like visualizing. I'm like kind of squinting my eyes, visualizing. I'm like, she just came from the Blink concert. I, I actually I have a tie-dye sweatshirt on and I it's actually cool. just bought a second tie-dye sweatshirt. Is that yours um, or Justin's? No, it's mine. Oh, it's yours. It's yeah. cute. I, I just bought a second one. It just looks like a cute boyfriend sweatshirt. Yeah, it's... um. I have like a, a hoodie swagger lately. Oh, cool. I feel a little bit more swaggery when <laughs> I, like I have it. a hoodie on. I love a hoodie. I mean, you know what I mean? I love a hoodie. And a I big, my other like one. Comfy one. Guess who makes the brand of my other hoodie that I ordered? Supreme. Close. <laughs> I do have a Supreme hoodie. Blake Anderson from Workaholics. Oh, here we ah! go. Here we go. <laughs> this is a... This is a... Guess what the brand is called? Teenage. <laughs> Yo, what is going on with your life? I feel like I hope he sees me on the street. Justin's like, uh, where'd you get that sweatshirt? It says bored teenager on the back. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, um, Dude. and it's tied. He's like, is that yours? I don't know what's going on with me. There's something about the, cause like way back when, when like I was on the Chris D'Elia podcast thing, I ordered one of his shirts and I'm like, what is the thing with like, kind of being into a, a celebrity, a, a personality. And when they have merch, you're like, I gotta have it. I gotta <laughs> have it. Like, I don't know. It's like, I've probably been watching Workaholics too much, but I just am like feeling, I'm feeling a little style <laughs> shift. Shift happening. I know. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, even there's a part of me that cares zero and doesn't want to buy clothes. And then there's this part of me that's like, one, we have to you know, with just like being out there more. And then I'm like, I really want to like curate what's happening in my closet instead of this like random fucking bullshit. I want people Honey. to be like, oh, I want to go to Lindsay for like inspiration. Like when I want to look like a chic boy, you know what I mean? Honey, same, <laughs> literally. Everyone's like, hey, I want to go to Chris when I look like a skater. When I look like I just left the warp Tour, <laughs> literally. Um, oh, but that's like the thing. It's like with Aubrey, I'm like, Hi, what's going on here? How are you looking cool when oh, you're working yeah, I out? I, I don't She's understand. I'm confused. Well, I noticed our friend Aubrey Winters who does... At um, Aubrey Winters at, on Instagram. Yeah. Aubrey Winters Method, Sweat Sessions. She's so awesome. We did a class of hers last night. We danced our little tushies off. It was so fun. She also wears like... I noticed like little details. She wears cool earrings when 100. she's doing it. And I'm like, yep. I would never think to wear like hoops with a this and then and the necklace. I'm like, that is so fly. All I would I would chip my tooth on the necklace. All the accessories are on. And it's just like, I don't know. I guess I'm not in style enough. I don't look at it enough. I'm not like, Same. I'm not around style enough. I kind of want like a, a uniform in a way. Like, yes to have a bunch of one thing, different colors maybe, but like just so I kind of know. And then also people know. People are like, That's like kind style. of like an Ariana Grande when she's like wearing a, a, a sweatshirt as a dress and you're like with boots. With thigh highs. And you're like, oh, that's Ariana. A hundred. Which I, I don't really understand that style. I don't hate it, but I don't quite get it. It's I, tiny people This is, this is tiny what I don't get. Style. It's like, is... is <laughs> So you're so tiny and you wear really baggy clothes. Does that make you look tinier or bigger? What's the play there? I don't understand. I think with her, it, it makes her just look teeny. tinier. Yeah. Is that the Because if I did it, I would look bigger. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's what I don't get. I'm like, maybe it's me. I'm like, <laughs> is it like you're bigger? You have to wear tighter so you know that we're not that. I don't understand. I don't know. There, there's like a middle ground where you're like, yeah. I don't know if, we, like, I don't know if I would wear like super tight, but there's this, I think, tailored. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Does she look too small when she's... Because if she wore tailored clothes, I'm thinking about it, visualizing it, it would look weird. Because it? it would almost look like, like a too, kid too tiny. was wearing tailored clothes. Yeah. I mean, dude, it blew me away. She's 26, right? Yeah. Blew my, blew my ass away. <laughs> I, she's 19 to me every year. A hundred. Every I mean, year that goes by. She's, yeah, such a little baby girl. Um, what was that story you were telling me before we got on the podcast? Oh, um, so a friend of mine wanted um, to bring y'all in on the convo. Yeah, because I think it's. I mean, we we're just on the kind of talked about the uh, bigger, the bigger thing happening, which I think a lot of you will relate to. But um, a friend of mine who I love so much, one of the people that I just love laughing with, and she was kind of going through it recently. So I was like, "Oh, you're not laughing? Like, what's going on?" Oh. You know. And um, anyway, she. I'll fast forward because I don't know the the extreme down to the nitty gritty detail, but had met someone and just like fell in love very quickly. And it was super conscious. And like, I mean, the way she would describe the relationship, I mean, I was like, whoa, that is like dreamy as hell, the conversations you're having and like the accountability that you have and that he has. It was just like goals in my head. And it continues to be, but she had some shit that she kind of brought into the relationship and that it kind of brought the relationship down and to kind of a halt. And he was like, I can't do this anymore. And she's very open and honest about this. Kind of what she needs to to work on. And she was very clear um, in kind of relaying this to us, like some of her close friends. That she brought that shit in. Yes. That so was, she was aware. Yes, completely. Does it happen all the time or? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like she brought it to the last at least two relationships. Mm. And she's like, I did it again. I mm. fucking did it again. What was it? Being overly critical. Oh, yeah. yeah. Classic. Over, overly critical. Classic. So if, if any of you out there can relate. Um, Dude, not letting anything slide. Not a, Yeah. Overly critical. Been there. If mm-hmm. you guys can imagine, Krista yeah. <laughs> has participated in quite a few. I think my problem is almost, almost the opposite where Damn. it's like, I don't hold them to the standard that I deserve. Wow. You know, so I'm, so they almost don't reach the standard mm. because it's not there. So I like, I kind of like having people like you, like her around me where I'm like, oh, I can kind of like call that up. But for her, she said it was like kind of to the extreme and, and, you know, he was just kind of over it. And yeah. So anyway, she called me last night. They were done. You know, it was like pretty devastating and and she had made a lot of shifts in her life because they mm-hmm. were going to move in together. Made a lot of shifts um, with work, career, life, everything. Something happened, you know, in terms of like their conversations in the last few days. And he was just like, finally, because he was like, no, like you really hurt me. Like I can't do this right now. And And then he just opened the door and was like, okay, like if we're going to do this and try this, like this is the time, you know? And so she got in the car and drove to him, which is like in another state. And like, is like, yes, like I choose you. I choose you Mm. over any of the bullshit. Like I am ready and willing to work and to hear you and to really like fix this shit. Like I wasn't, None of this is anything she wants to bring into the next relationship, this relationship. So it was just beautiful. And we were talking about the fact that like 
whoa, it's crazy. She's just fucking going. And like, it's so refreshing because like a lot of people would say, that's crazy. I would never do that. Like a man should always chase you. That like, you know, just everything, her world was rocked, you know, when, when it ended, cause she had like been, she was ready to go, ready to move there. And so it just like made me happy. Like I was like, this is, this feels like a big choice that is like so conscious, so heart centered. And I'm going to support you fucking go like call me when you need me. But yeah, I just loved it. And I was like, I can't wait to make a big choice like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever that looks like. My friends tell me like everything and I'm like, awesome. I know. Do you know what I mean? They're like, so I'm moving <laughs> to the seashells. You're like, uh, fucking awesome. You're like, I'm pregnant with twins. I'm going to have them. I know. Don't know who the dad is. But yeah, let's go. Literally. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I'm all about that. I'm all about whenever girls say they're like, should I? I'm always like, yes. yes. I'm such an aggressor. And I always have been. And look at me. (laughs) No, no, but I'm serious. Like, Erin, I'm not serious. But I feel like we put the onus on men so much. So it's like we're, you know, strong, confident, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we expect them to be that all of the time. And sometimes the men aren't necessarily like the masculine aggressor or energy when you're dating in at the beginning or whatever it is, you know, thinking of people as like spirits and humans rather than like girls do this and guys do that. It's like, it could just be the person in their relationship that acts as the aggressor or the masculine energy when you're dating or when you're starting to figure out the relationship. Yeah. And and you mentioned too, before um, we got on air that, you know, women have an intuition and like when we have these intuitive hits, we've, we got to go. We got to like for way too many years, I did not listen to those intuitive hits and might've missed some opportunities. And it's like, fuck that. You know, we're so lucky to be so in tune with that, that intuition. Just do it. Like as long as it's not hurting physically, like hurting anyone, let's do it. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, too, just last point about her, like, Hey, what if it doesn't work out? You know what I mean? It's okay. And you both are like consenting adults in this situation to go for it. You know, like you, because for me, I was thinking, oh, what would I be feeling right now? Like, God damn it, I hope it works. Like that, I don't think that's the right energy to bring into the situation, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's also like, I hope it works, but it's really like, I'm going to do the best that I can and yes. I'm going to be responsible for doing what I know is best right now. Exactly. Coming from like a conscious place. And I always think that girls should... not always, but like girls, you can text first. You can, you know, not wait three days. You can just hit them up. You can just like go first. Like I always, with everything in my life, feel like I go first or, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, dating is not, is not any different. Like Justin, I'm trying to think. I flew to New York when we were just talking and texting and basically was like, yo, we're hanging out. He was like, okay. So you hadn't, and I know some people know the story, some mm-hmm. people don't. So you hadn't really hung out with him before yeah, this. Correct. We hadn't really, okay. we'd hung, we'd met twice. Did you like kiss or anything? The first time we hung out, we didn't kiss. Okay. So we hung out twice, one time in college. And then one time again, when he was in Chicago, when we met again. And then we were texting 
for like months. And then I flew to New York for New Year's Eve with my girlfriends, quote unquote. And the next day I didn't hear from him. It was like New Year's Day. I hadn't heard from him. And I was just like, yo, what are you doing? Like, we've been talking for months. Like, hi. And Justin's just like so present. He's just like, whatever. He's like, oh my God, I've been meaning to see you. So then we hung out. Yeah. And then I flew back to New York again, right when I got back from Patagonia, like the next day to see him. And just was like, always never Mm -hmm. afraid to text. You know, there was times when I would wait, you know, for him to text. But like in all my relationships, I just want to be as clear as I can. And I'm not someone that's going to like wait around for things to happen in my life. If I feel a certain way, I'm going to act on it. And not that I'm saying that I don't agree with women who play into the roles of like waiting for a man or, you know, he should go first because I think if that works for you and that works for your personality and your energy, that's great. But that's not my personality or my energy. And I think that men are not just one type as women are not just one type. Men are not just all aggressive, all going to talk to you at the bar, all going to, you know, go for it 100%. Like it just doesn't work that way. And we have to see people more on like a complete spectrum and meet them the other way. Because Justin's just, you know, sweet and like a little shy at first. So it's like he would, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's ever really, he probably has hit on girls at the bar, but I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really his style. So for me as a person, that would be my style. So it's like we meet in that place, you know, whereas I know people that are like the man approached her at the bar, like mama medicine and said, or no, approached her at the house and was like, I'm going to marry you. He's the very masculine. He's the masculine role in that relationship. She's very much the feminine. They fall into that and they meet at a perfect halfway. But for some couples, it just isn't like the exact gender roles don't fit the social construct. Yeah. I always think about like the story that like you're going to tell when you're, you know, like married or together, like, and that, cause I'm like, come over to our YouTube channel and watch our story. Literally. (laughs) Because it's like, I have those same urges and like inclinations to be the first one to text, to call. And I've been doing that with, you know, people I'm into. There's this one guy I'm like very much crushing on and I've been doing that. But then there's this like little voice that's like, Oh God, is this too much? Yeah. Is this too much? Is how is he taking this? And then I just remind myself, like, if he's worth it or if it's right, like he's gonna be totally fine with it and not be scared away by it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's yeah, I don't yeah. It's also like the energy too. It's like with that, like I even said too on the New Year's Eve, I'm like, hey, like even if we're just friends, like I would love to see you because we've been talking for this long. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you don't always, or I feel like people don't always have to go with the energy of like, hi, you're my soulmate. I'm reaching out totally. to you to like confirm our soulmateness. It's like, hi, I'm curious about you and I want to learn more. And I kind of want to see like what's up and making sure that they know your energy isn't so like, you are my soulmate. We right. are going to be together. Like yeah. I am, you know what I mean? It's kind of like playing on that, like, less pressure type of situation. Yeah, I love that But I feel that. I mean, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'm being patient, but also like consistent. Because like if it's... Because it's not, you know, if I I text at the beginning of the month and I'm like... Because he's not here right now. So I'm just like, oh, I should wait like like at the end of the month when like things slow down. Like, no, I kind of want to be 
on his mind consistently. Yes. Because he's on my mind. Like, you know what I mean? So I just want it to feel... And it has felt very like organic and balanced, but I'm always the one reaching out because of like kind of what's happening with what he's doing. So it's just that's when you send nudes. That's when you said, well, normally I would. I love it. I I mean, I mean, I'm not at that place yet, but like, I know don't yet. I don't, I don't think I'm there anymore unless we're dating until well, we've, unless we're dating until until we're dating. But I used to send before a hundred because that only if I got the green light that it was getting frisky. Mm. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, this is my end. Yeah. And then I'd spend an hour trying to get one photo. I would lose like oxygen to my brain. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd go through <laughs> so much lotion. <laughs> what we do. I mean, if you could only feel that. On the wall. Well, I'm happy for her. Go on, get you some girl. Truly. And a last thing with mm-hmm. the rate at which we are becoming more conscious as a society. There's been an increase of people finding their soulmates, finding the people that they're being with. The divorce rate has stayed stagnant almost. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it may even be decreasing. And I think that people are entering more conscious, loving relationships. You know, I don't, I know they exist and they're all over the world, but I feel like I have exposure or I have had exposure to more healthy, loving relationships in the past couple of years. And it's been like an amazing thing. I know. I feel lucky like that too. Yeah, yeah, I have so many friends who are in very conscious relationships. Yeah, I don't yeah. really know anyone that has. Yeah, I do, but it's not like, you know. The majority. Yeah, the majority. Are, used to be the majority for me. I think when you get older too, you probably don't talk about it as much. But mm-hmm. anyways. Okay. Today on the podcast, Charity Layton. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Charity is one of our dearest friends since, you know, basically the beginning of the podcast. And she's been on her own journey, both professionally and personally. And today she joins us in person. We were lucky enough to have her in person. She's based in Salt Lake and um, she flew in and we got to hang out at a time in her life that she finds herself both celebrating and also you know, trying to find the words and the energy and the perspective um, her husband is battling uh, terminal cancer. Yep. He has stage four colon cancer and she is a mother of four. So she has her lovely husband that she's been supporting. She is the chief nutritionist at Silver Fern Brand, who is our probiotic of choice, our digestive enzyme of choice. I love their protein discount code, almost 30. But Charity has been navigating all the emotions that go with grief and loss and you know, when these situations happen, you're really faced with the real questions in life and the real work and the real analysis of what life is really about. You know, what love really is, what relationship really is, what is spirit? You know, what is your relationship with God? What is your relationship with your soul? What happens after you pass? How do you be strong yet soft at the same time? How do you be there for your family while being there for yourself? How do you um, have the foresight to make decisions for decisions for your health um, from a you know thoughtful place? So yeah, I mean this conversation was beautiful. It was so inspiring. I mean this is such an inspiring conversation. I felt I always feel so great when we see Charity. We also love Kelly from their team, New Mama, but 
it really makes you think. And it really, really brought me back to what matters and what's important. Mm-hmm. And I am so inspired by her relationship with her husband. It's such a beautiful story. And I know that you guys are really going to love this episode. I you know, could listen to it every day. Truly. Yeah. It really, I think is the ultimate test. Um, if you're trying to be present, I mean, no greater test than to not think about, you know, three months from now, five months from now, a year from now, it's really, and she's done so, so beautifully. And not only for her husband and for herself, but for her children. I mean, to be a mother and navigate this type of thing is actually, I can't imagine it, but she just shared very openly. It's a pretty emotional episode. So we're glad you're here for it. Um, Thank you so much for all of the support subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is the simplest way you have been doing that for us. And we read every one of them. We'll read one on the other side of this episode. Uh, We see you in the group having really thoughtful, funny, supportive, incredibly transformative uh, conversations in the secret Facebook group. So if you're not in there, I would absolutely join. People say it's their, the reason why they stay on Facebook. So just humble brag, but I do think it is like the best. I know. And then if someone needs a little inspiration, a little pick me up, a little um, support for grief, loss, family, motherhood, please send this episode to them. We would appreciate that. Um, We are on Instagram at almost 30 podcast. Charity is on Instagram at a vibrant life. And then Silver Fern brand is her company. They are a sponsor of ours, dear friends. And you can get probiotics, protein, all of the things using the code almost 30 for 20% off. Mm-hmm. All right. See Enjoy you on the this flip. episode. I hope that's what people say about me when I get pregnant. She'll crush it. No. <laughs> Truly. Like, we're going to leave be. our kids places. <laughs> He was saying that the other day. He's like, I have no doubt we're going to leave our kids in the grocery store once or twice. There'll be many moments where it's like, whoop, like silent whoops, where it's like, whoops. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) You like pull out, you have left your baby in the parking lot. You're like, whoops. It's like when you leave like your phone at my place. Whoops. Yeah, honestly, I leave my charger everywhere. I leave everything everywhere. Did you ever have any moments like that as a mom where you were like, oops? Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of kids. Yeah. Not a lot, but like more than just one. Yeah. Four is a lot. And you're yeah. just like, there's days you're like, hey, everyone's alive. There's a head count at <laughs> bedtime. You're like, okay, success. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, what was bedtime like with that many kids? Crazy. Crazy. And bedtime is when they're like, do you want to read to me, mom? Like, no, I'm tired. Dude. <laughs> Literally. Dude. And you try um, to you like wanna... speed it up and they're like, no, you forgot that word. Yeah. Yeah. And you're exhausted. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. and I'm a natural like morning person. So I can't even hold a conversation past 9, 9 p.m. I'm an old lady. Same. Yeah. So like with kids, you're like, okay, brush. And no, you don't have to brush for 30 seconds. One second's fine. Okay, go get in bed. Totally. You're like, just eat toothpaste <laughs> yeah. and go to bed. You know what? Somebody should invent that. I know. Like here, here kids, here's great. a toothpaste that's chewable. Yeah, there should be, honestly. Silver it's funny children's when, kids, chewables. Like, when kids put the toothpaste on because then they just go. Yeah. And they don't even like brush. They'd really just like eat their toothpaste. I'm like, okay. Their teeth are just little stubbies. I know. They're little. I don't even know why they even brush, but (laughs) I'm inventing that. I mean, sometimes like, what is the balance with that? Like as a mom, I always think about that because, you know, 
it's funny, like when I babysit and I'm with the kids, I'm like reading them a book. I'm so fresh because I don't do it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I know with parents, it's like, I'd be the same way where every night you're like, okay, like I don't want to do this. So how do you cherish them and like cherish the time together because you know that they're growing so fast, but also, you know, be realistic. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's be realistic, be balanced. And like, unfortunately, I'm glad I, did, I'm glad I didn't raise babies with social media. Yeah. Right. I'd think every day I was like, yeah. we've got the well, ugliest 14. nursery. We've got the ugliest oh. stroller. We've got the worst. <laughs> yeah. My kids don't know how to read at 18 months old. Like I, it would be terrible. <laughs> so like you're realistic. You do the best you can. Um, and luckily for me, like I, I got to choose to be a stay at home mom. Like that was, that was a really nice thing for me. In fact, in fact, when I found I was pregnant, I was just about to graduate with a good degree from a good school. And we had a bunch of recruiting offices come. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm really afraid. Like if I even have a taste of that corporate life, like I won't choose my family. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, have a baby, graduate two weeks later, start our family sort of a thing. And so wow. for me, that was, I, that was a blessing. I got to choose that. So, so I was able to give them a lot of time. Like I know some people will say, you know, quality over quantity. For me, I was like, I was pretty mediocre. So I gave them quantity instead Mm. of quality. That (laughs) works for me. (laughs) Did you grow up with a big family? Yeah. Yeah. Six kids in my family, seven kids in my husband's family. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll have five or seven. And then I had two and I was like, um... I don't know if we're going to... What about it was kind of making you question how many? So my my first was super easy, super mellow, so good, super chill. And I was like, what are these babe Like these, these ladies whining about babies that cry in the night. I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. So let's have another one right away. He was eight months, eight and a half months old. And I was like, let's get pregnant again. Wow. Oh yeah. And then we had a second and she didn't sleep through night and she wasn't calm and she wasn't chill. And she, she was the one that was like, oh, now... Now I know why people are like, this is really hard. And then number three was a total accident. Um, and then by, by the time she was like two, I, I remember thinking, okay, if we're going to do it, we need to do it now. I, don't, I just didn't want this big window, this big gap. So we had number four. Wow. And then, yeah. So you're like accident, then not accident. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Funny, Might right? as well. Yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. So, I mean... You you got your degree before you had the kids, which yes. is, uh, and but then soon after had the kids. So when did it come back around that you kind of had this new, um, either appreciation or you wanted to put it to, to work? Yeah. Well, being totally honest, it's because I was fat. And I was like, I just want to be the skinny. best motivator, to be honest. <laughs> no, I was like, and and honestly, I wasn't fat, but I just was like, you just, I wasn't feeling good. I was just you like, four oh. kids? exactly, <laughs> yeah. So for me, it really was like, I just want to be skinny. And so I spent all this time and energy reading and trying every diet out there and studying and learning. And the more I was studying, the more I learned was learning. The more I was like wait a minute, there's kind of something to this whole nutrition thing. And I do remember a very profound night one night. And I remember God saying like, just charity, when you are ready to be healthy and not just skinny, I've got things I need to teach you. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Wow. And that's when I learned this whole, I learned plant-based. This was back in 2008. Like plant-based eating and, and how nutrients affect our body and cancer just became this, it was bizarre, you guys. Like, 
I was obsessed with how what we put in our body affects our body. Like no one ever told me where disease had come from before. Like, but to this idea, like I thought it came from cars and smokestacks and mm-hmm. whatever, right? I thought it was genetic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's in your genes, what, whatever. And so um, I became really, really, really passionate. I became certified as a plant-based nutritionist. Now, st- I still have four little kids. I was still at home. I was always doing something on the side. I had like an eBay business. What? Selling what? <laughs> You'll die. <laughs> I cannot wait. Pottery barn rugs. Oh, what do you mean? There was like a down east that was selling them. It's so crazy. And I learned that if I could buy them before right this when happened they- in Utah. <laughs> so nuts. Yes. It was just crazy. And we had this, we had this pottery barn kids store. And like it was just a normal store, but I was ridiculous. If you could hit the store before that magazines came out, you could sell the stuff for a profit on eBay. Wow. So I w- it's just ridiculous. Just, I'm obsessed. I know with that. <laughs> Little, littlest things. I did. I had a little tax business out of my basement. I started a little jewelry company. And when I say company, it's like, like see this table in front of us. It would be covered with beads, and people would make them themselves. They each had a price, and they were beautiful, like real silver mm. and swarovski crystal. And they would. All these ladies would come. We'd host these parties. I mean, just ridiculous. I just needed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I, I do too. I love that. Yeah, and then I got I got my real estate license. Just just oh, I always had. I wanted my my brain not to shrivel up while I was you know wiping my children's faces all day long. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so nutrition just kind of came came around, and and then you guys know the story. Like my husband was diagnosed three three years and five months ago with stage four cancer. So in in so many ways something that I hoped would never affect my family affected my family. And then Silver Fern came about. Um, I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree in nutrition science. Um, And I did that in Boston. And man, like the things that I've learned, I now feel like I need to share like pretty, I don't know, pretty intensely, I guess, share, share some of the things that I've learned. But what surprised me even more, and when I reached, when we were talking kind of about this podcast, is I was like, it's not even about nutrition that I want to share. It's about living your best dang life that you possibly can. So that's kind of been the journey. And how is your husband? He is so good and so amazing, but his liver is failing. So chemo's out. All clinical trials are out. All drugs are out. His body can't detoxify. So he's got jaundice now. So his eyes have turned a bit yellow. His his skin has um, turned a bit yellow. He day by day gets a little bit weaker. So when his liver's failing, sorry, chemo, is it hard on the liver and it... Yes. Or, or what is that? Yeah, because it's connection? like poison, right? So, so your liver cannot get oh. rid of, you know, even things like ibuprofen and Tylenol. His, his dad was was a Tylenol rep. My mom was like a German lady who we had to have dandelion root for healing, right? That, so totally different worlds. But even something like ibuprofen, that goes through your liver. People don't really realize that. Like all these things that people take without thinking there's any kind of ramifications, it goes through your liver. So his liver can't, can't get rid of those types of things. The tumors are growing around his bile duct. So, you know, we sat the kids down a couple weeks ago and and we're a big sports family and football dances. Well, let's kids like, and, and the kids can tell, like they know when you're sitting down and we're kind of somber. And he says, 
I want to talk to you guys using football as an analogy. And he's like, when we got the news, we knew we were down, but it was the first quarter. And he's like, it's fourth quarter, guys. And we're down. But like, we're not pulling our starters. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we'll never stop trying. Mm-hmm. And he's just amazing. Like, he just looked at him. He's like, listen, you guys, 12 US presidents have lost a parent. Like, I think something like 67% of British prime ministers have lost a parent. He's like, you don't ever use your heart to make bad decisions or use it as an excuse to become a crappy human being. Like you do it to become amazing. And only God knows what the future holds for our family. And I've cried more in the last month, but I've had three and a half years of mourning. Like we've done this together and we're just in this really, really odd beautiful place between never giving up and surrendering. And there's peace in both, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So we're we've, we've trying alternative treatments. There's just the most amazing human beings on this planet, people that have reached out. I've been in touch with some of these doctors from MIT that are like, okay, try this, try this cream on his skin. And we've got these other drops from this other doctor who like, they're like, we we see that they've killed cancer cells and our animal testing and whatever. And, and so I just said to Dan, like, I still believe in miracles. And I also know, as we all do, death is inevitable, right? So our goal every day is to be happy, to find it, to be happy, no matter what. So kind of, kind of heavy, but like... I don't know. It's it's. I'm in a weird, weird place right now. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, what is like if you kind of go back three and a half, three years and five months? Like, what has felt like your specific stages of grief? Because I know a lot of people in our community too have like reached out to us when they have experienced a death um, of someone close to them, and almost like they don't know where they are in that yeah. process. Yeah. There's such shock, right? In the beginning, the first, I, I even I would even say two months. Like you don't think you're in shock, but like there's the shock of things is pretty rough because you just, like my body would shut down. I just couldn't think properly. And then, and then for me, I was like, okay, I put the boxing gloves on. I'm like, bring, bring it on. We are going to study and learn and go wherever. We end up for a year in Tijuana, back and forth every week, back to, you know, to do alternative treatments and reading and researching and trying everything. And my poor husband was like this guinea pig. And so then I would go through different stages of fear. Like, what does cancer do to somebody? You know what I mean? Like, and I tell you, the day we decided to start chemotherapy, I was a wreck. But here's why I was a wreck. I was more afraid of what I thought chemo would do than what actually chemo did to him. Mm. Does that make sense? So I think sometimes yeah. when you're caught in that like fear place, it's a brutal place to be. And so we learned pretty quickly, really quickly, like within the first few months that everybody has hard, some sort of hard. Like we were not this isolated case of, oh yeah, sucks to be you guys. You have something hard. And our heart was different than other people's heart, right? Like people have infidelity or infertility or, you know, getting fired from a job or whatever it was. And so we quickly learned everyone has some sort of heart. And the less we focused on our heart, the less there was grief and the less there was mourning. And, 
you know, you go through, it's just, it's just these ups and downs. Like I still have a little bit of PTSD when we go to the clinic that we were at, like just the smells and, and you just kind of feel yucky. And I, I remember almost every time we got bad news, like the tumors are growing or the, this treatment's not working anymore or, or whatever. And, um, it just, I don't even know if it was like God's hand, but somehow we were driving separately anytime we got bad news which to some people is like, oh, that's sad. But for us, I think we both needed to really process it. And I remember one day driving home, sobbing, like uncontrollably sobbing. I just couldn't get a grip. So I couldn't go home because he was going to be home. The kids were home. I'm like, I can't even get, I can't even get a grip. So I was sobbing and I finally pull over and prayed with all of my heart. And all of a sudden this thought came to my mind. You guys are going to think this is nuts. No. And it was find gratitude in this. And I'm like, I can't. And I felt God say, find the gratitude in it. I'm like, I can't. And then for just a moment, I sat there and calm. And I said, God, thank you for trusting us with this trial. And every tear was gone. Like there was a blanket of comfort over me that was is un undescribable. Mm. So like anytime I've ever been in that place and it's happened numerous times, like what I'm in the dark in my closet on the floor, I've locked the door cause I can't get a grip. And I'm like, thank you for the, I thank you for this trial. And then I think of the things that, that I've learned, that my kids have mm. learned, that I've learned about love, right? I've, I've been able to experience love in a way that I swear like cancer brought to us. And, and perspective and gratitude. And I don't know, there's, there's, I could go on and on. I've seen the goodness of people. I've seen other people's heart and I'm like, I would choose mine. And you're like, that's crazy. How would you choose stage four? And I'll tell you how, because our kind of heart has been surrounded by love, right? Think of the people that have a shame, right? Addiction or pornography or like terrible divorce that like no one's praying for them. We should be, you know, some people even feel shunned for whatever their heart is. Like that's when they need the love. So, wow. And then with the kids, like what's your, so your process, you know, is this way? What is theirs? Oh, this is like, this is what gets me emotional because like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I I don't know. So this whole time for three and a half years, I think that we have done a pretty dang good job at making our life feel normal, mm. right? Dan's got a great sense of humor, right? He'd be sitting on the couch. He's like, who's going to get me a drink of water? Dad's got cancer. Like, <laughs> like he's Aww. just, he's just got a, like a great sense of humor. And his buddy <laughs> called him last night. And he's like, Hey, do you want to go out? He's like, do you mind if I bring my hospice nurse with me? I'm like, that is terrible, honey. <laughs> like just terrible. But so we've been able to laugh. There's been, a, there's been, you know, an, a normalcy in our life with the kids, but they don't talk about it. Like when, even when we sat them all down, my 14-year-old, he got up and left. I went to his room. And so I said to my husband, he's like, just give him time. I'm like, after half an hour, I'm like, go check on him. And he did. And, and that was great. But then like a, a few days ago, the counselor at the school called and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking mm-hmm. out. Right. And she's like, so we had a little bit of an issue with stone. I'm like, what's going on? Well, he got in a fight with his teacher because he didn't get he didn't get the grade for something. He missed a day of school and they, they whatever. It was like, he, mm. he should have got this grade. So he was feeling like there was just this injustice done. And he really is trying to get good grades. And he went to the counselor and she said, he's like, he was uncontrollable today. Oh. 
And then she's like, are you guys maybe putting some pressure on him at home for getting to get a 4.0? And I was like, I start sobbing. I'm like, well, maybe, but I don't think it's the grade that he's crying about, you know, like I, and like last night he says to dad, to it's the end of the quarter. He says, dad, I don't think I'm again to BYU. And I was like, I said to Dan last night, I said, I think that 4.0 thing is him thinking like, it's the only thing he can control in his life. And I think he thinks that you want this for him. And we're like, bud, like you do what you just do your best you and everything will work out. And my, my other kids are a little bit older. Um, I think they've been, had to grow up a little bit faster than maybe other kids would have. But I also think they've been blessed with things like they don't worry about, I don't know if my 17 year old daughter would be worrying about fake eyelashes. And I, I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. These things that, that for 100%. her, she's like, please, like, I, I don't even care. Like, give me a break. I don't care. Yes. And so I've got, I've got amazing kids and, and sorry, I'm going on and on about this. And I didn't want to come on here and talk about cancer, but the message that we all have in our, in our family is like, A, you help other people, like get, get over yourself and B, find joy and happiness, no matter where you are, no matter what, like the job's not going to make you happy. The boyfriend's not going to make you happy. Oh, you'll be happy when this happens or you'll be, you'll be happy when this, we'll be happy when, when Dan's in remission. It's like you get to choose happiness every day. And there's plenty of days when I wake up, you know, sometimes you guys go to bed and like you wake up with a funk and you're like, how'd that happen? I was in the best mood last night. And you wake up in the morning, you just feel kind of, I don't know, like a funk is the best way I can say it. And, and that's when I was like, uh-uh, like you choose happiness today and you don't leave this room until you've got a smile on your face and you think of the things that make you happy. So, and you, you girls, like you're so, you're so good at that. You guys are so good at spreading happiness and, and you guys are the definition of you choose, you choose your happiness. So anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Gosh. Of you and Dan, like, did you kind of have that sentiment first and inspired him or no, was it? Totally him? him. Yeah. He sets the tone. He sets the tone in our house. He sets the tone with us. And I'm like, when I'm good, he's good. Like, and I had a sweet girlfriend mm-hmm. tell me the other day, um, she's like, you guys have made it really, really easy on all of us. Like to just be happy around you. And like, mm-hmm. we go to dinners, we have to do fun things. And I'm like, that's hundred percent because of Dan. He's just always been that kind of fun-loving guy. And it's funny, like I'm more of a serious personality, like like by nature. And we were first married, his boyishness nature, like drove me crazy. Mm. Like seriously, like, (laughs) you know, like grow up a little or like take things seriously or everything's not a joke, (laughs) you know? And now I'm like, oh, I think, thank God that that's like, if this is the trial that we were given, that he mm. specifically had that personality trait to make this so much easier to bear. Mm. So it was him. It and was when him. you first, would you remember the first time you like heard from God or you had that conversation? And, and so I've been, I've tried to be close to God my whole life, but I never ever could hear him speaking to me. People would always say that, but I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, I believe he's real and I I believe in his power, but I don't know that he like knows me. And now I'm trying to teach my kids 
those same sorts of things. So God's going to speak to everybody in their own language that they understand. But for me, the way that God speaks to me is either a thought or a feeling. And it's come that whole way now. So now I, I would say when I was 17 or 20 or even 25, those thoughts I would have thought were my own. And now I, I know those aren't my own thoughts. Those, those are thoughts from God speaking to me. And then other times it's just a feeling, right? Where um, so many times in the last even two weeks, I'll feel like this, this anxiety rise up inside of me. And then I can feel this calmness come over me and just push it back down. But I have to let it. Sometimes I'm sometimes I want to be a little baby and I want to throw a temper tantrum and I want to cry and I want to wail. And so I'm like, okay, okay, Charity, you have eight minutes. I don't even know why I picked eight minutes. Five didn't seem compassionate and 10 seemed too indulgent. So I like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you get eight minutes and you can whine and you can cry and you can play the victim and you can go through every fear in your mind. And then you wipe your eyes, you put a smile on your face and you go find somebody to serve. Like, and now I'll say somebody to serve. That's not always easy. Like when you're a mom and you're a spouse, you always have somebody in your life like that, that needs you that you can serve. But that it's a little bit harder. Like you've got to go out of your way sometimes to do it outside of your family. And honestly, I, I, this is, sounds so crazy. I started baking bread. I started baking bread and delivering bread to people. Like warm bread because there's nothing on this planet like a warm piece of bread. <laughs> That's the damn. Can't truth. argue with that. Yeah, honestly. So that was my therapy, and yeah, say no more. Yeah. And when you, I loved when you said that you guys left the appointments like separately. Can you talk about that, like in more detail, why that was important for both of your like? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was ever planned, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad that it, that it was that way. Like. I am an absolute extrovert. I love people. I love socializing. I, but I recharge alone. Like I've learned that about myself. And both of us, when we're around each other, we want to put on the smile for each other. We want to be strong for each other. But when we're alone, we can really process, right? But what, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for him? And honestly, the first three years more than that, three years and four months, we never really talked about the worst case scenario. It was always like, okay, babe, if this treatment doesn't work, don't worry, I've got this and I've got this and you're going to try this and I'll blend this and I'll rub this on you. I mean, it was like, like one thing after another. <laughs> and it really wasn't until the last month where it's like, okay, let's have some of the harder discussions. Um, and you don't want to have them because they're brutal and they're, they, they're hard. So having some time alone allows us to process like what is, what's going on. Like, and then we can come together with more of a clarity of thought. But I'll tell you like day after Christmas, I, I was a psychopath. I was in my back bedroom. I could not, I could not stop crying. And I was like, couldn't figure it out. And, and then I was just mad. I was so mad. And in my mind, I was like, ah. Oh, he didn't take out the garbage this morning. I'm so mad at him. See, you don't really need him. Like it was this bizarre coping mechanism. Like I was trying to figure out what my life would be without him. And, and then I just had all these, whole, like just these crazy thoughts. And, and I, didn't, I didn't want to talk to him about it. So finally that night he's like, hey, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. You know, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. And he's like, 
Ask one more time and I'll really tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep asking. Well, then finally, he's like, can I take you out to dinner? I mean, we've been married for 22 years. I cannot hold it together during this interview. I don't know how you're holding it together. It's insane. Well, Well, I don't want, you know, I don't want my smiles and my, my laughter to hide so much mourning and so much pain. Like the amount of days that I've wept, but I am at a place that both of us are at this place of surrender in a sense. And like, there's power in that where you go, we've done everything we know how to do and the universe is going to take over. And it also helps like Dan and I are married forever. Like everyone I know, all your listeners are going to have their own spiritual beliefs. We're married forever. Like our family is together forever. I believe, I hope, I pray, I beg that in a worst case scenario that he is still a part of my everyday, you know? And I believe that. Like I I believe that he will be. So I also believe like cancer is a disease of love. I've heard people say that before. I'm like, screw you. Go take your slogan somewhere else. Like I'm not buying that today. But after going through it, and realizing like he could have been hit by a truck, right? And had been taken from me. But we've had so much time to tweak and arrange and love and, and figure things out and loose ends and closure. And, you know, and I feel like I'm talking about the end, but there's still a part of me that I'm like, it's not over yet. Like it's not, it's not over yet. Like I've seen, I've seen football teams win throwing a Hail Mary. And you watch that ball like to the very last second. And that's what we're doing. How are you taking care of yourself? Well, I have a really good morning routine. And that, like, that's a, such a good question. Like, I'm like, okay, what, what things have, have been serving me? What things have not been serving me? I'll tell you right now, wallowing and feeling sad, it doesn't feel good. Like, it just doesn't feel good. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what does serve me? Oh, here's another one that doesn't. Here, I'll go doesn't first. Thinking too far in the future. Like if I go too far, it like, I can't, I, I come undone. Like even last night we were in the hot tub and I, even just thinking, what's my life in, I don't know, five years. The thought of not having like, I'm like, yeah. I don't want to have a life. Like I, I, I don't want to live. And he's like, Charity, you've got these kids. And anyway, so I'm like, let's just not, let's, we don't think too far ahead. We just take it one day at a time. Here are the things that are serving me. My morning routine, I think is what this like serves me. I get up usually at five. This morning I had to get up a little bit earlier so I could hit the gym. So I do my physical, like, which, you know, when people talk about, yeah, of course I'd want it for a hot body, but really let's be honest. I'm doing it because it helps me emotionally. It really, really does. So I do my physical in the morning. Um, and then I come home and usually can get the kids off to school. And then I will do a sweat. We have an infrared sauna. I'm very lucky. Best thousand dollar purchase on KSL I've ever had. Yeah. So I get in the sauna and I kind of sweat things out. And then I do some spiritual. I do, I read scriptures, I pray, I meditate. Um, and so I just have this kind of, I've, I've been able to get those things done. And then I'll usually read something intellectual that stimulates my mind so that I can go to work and build a brand and do these other things. And that's another thing like Silver Fern brand, having having an outlet for me that's a safe place for my brain to go has been really, really helpful. 
I wish people could see your faces. I'm like talking right into their it's face insane. and I can see their eyes and they're so beautiful. We're little babies. <laughs> I love We're it. little cute really babies. Um, this, this is a little side note, the sauna. So why do you do the sauna? Like what are the benefits? Was it for him originally? It was originally for me. We, we were living in the dumpiest dump dump of a house because we were trying to buy this land and develop this land. And I was like, if I, I need one thing in this dump of a house to make me happy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, amazing. There was mice. I'm telling you guys, like it was bad. And I, I just got on KSL. Do you guys have like, I don't know, like it's yeah. a, um, what is KSL? a used... You can buy anything. You can oh, buy cool. tickets to concerts. You could buy furniture. Oh. I don't know. It's a Utah thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like eBay locally, I guess. Totally. Okay. okay cool. Something like that. So I got online and there was the sauna. It was like an hour away. And I said to Dan, I was like, I would like to get a sauna. He's like, Where did that come from? I was like, I don't know, but I want God, I bye. want it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we went and got it. And by this time I had done a lot. I was fully engaged in the whole health and wellness. I'd read a lot about the health benefits of the sauna. And then it just been now obviously with him. So specifically for the liver, the liver is like your sewage treatment center, right? Well, your only other organ that can really kind of help your liver take a break is your largest organ, which happens to be your skin. So right now I'm trying to have him because his liver can't really kind of get rid of everything use the sauna to try to help detox the sauna. But even on top of that, like there's plenty of um, studies on cardiovascular disease, people that just heart health, you wouldn't think that, but that temperature that you're in, your body has to quickly regulate. It actually strengthens your heart. So yeah. And it's just, this is just a space for me to go. How have you navigated, I guess, the recent conversations too, you know, just thinking you said you'd had, had to have the harder conversations recently. I wouldn't even know where to start, I guess. Yeah. I think for me, like I don't go there mm-hmm. until I know where to start. Does that make sense? Because yeah, you'll, you'll find yourself one. in like this loophole where you're like, I don't even know. Like, right. And I'm talking like a crazy person. And so when I'm on the treadmill or I'm in the sauna or I'm reading my scriptures or whatever, that gives me time to really process like what what is it? What are the conversations that that we need to have? And what does what does Dan need from me? And what do I need from Dan? And then then we can go. And here's what's really interesting, though: you don't need to have as many conversations as you think you do. Like, what do the kids need to know? They their dad loves them. Yeah, no. Guess what? He's been doing that for 22 years, right? Does do I need to know that he loves me? Yeah, no. We like that's that's a lifetime. You don't wait till the you know, like you don't wait till a conversation to have that. So it's all these little things that when I was alone, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I don't, I don't need that conversation, right? It was more silly little, the littlest things like Dan built a swimming pool in our backyard. It's a luxury. I get it. But I look at that swimming pool and I come undone. And finally, like I looked out the window one day and saw and I started crying. And he's like, what? What? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do a swimming pool. <gasps> like... But I didn't want to have the conversation about the swimming pool because I didn't want to imply that he wasn't going to make it. You know mm. what I mean? So it's just it's just little things one day at a time. And then, yeah, you, and then you just let everything else go. That's what I've just, I, I fight for the peace. I fight for the happiness and I let everything else go. Mm. And besides like, so I think that's like a good 
you have good ex- you have great experience figuring out how to navigate hard conversations. So besides being very prepared for them, like what else do you do to set the scene for to have a hard conversation? Is it like at night or after you guys work out or something like that? Because I know that there are a lot of women that listen that do have hard conversations, probably maybe not as intense about, you know, life or death, but um, in their lives. So what could they do to prepare themselves for hard conversations that they're having with someone they love? So don't do it when you're tired. Like I'm a mess when I'm tired. Yeah. Like I can't, That's I can't even one. think clearly. And, and don't do it when you're emotional. I think as women, we're such emotional beings, but you're like, that's when I need to talk. Like when I'm emotional and you're like, no, it's not when you need to talk. Like go have your eight minutes, get, get your emotions out. Because for the really hard conversations, I think you want to be like, I think, I think you want them to be rational and not emotional. Does that make sense? And, and honestly, oh, to all those sweet women out there that want hard conversations and feel like they need to have those hard conversations, here's the only thing I would say too, like really, really evaluate them. Do you really need to have those hard conversations? Like, is that serving, is it, is it really serving you? Or are there things you could just let go, right? Because I think sometimes like when I was first married to Dan, I would want to have a conversation about everything that was like bad. Like you didn't unload the dishwasher. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. And there's some things you're like, um, could you just maybe like, Charity, I think you could just let some things just go. And I think that's, that's an element of genuine love. Like when you just give people the benefit of the doubt that they are doing the best that they can. Like you talked about just being infinite love. Like that's a gift that you're giving to him. Like instead of being like, well, we need to talk about everything that you did wrong. Before cancer, I would, and I think I talked about this on our last podcast, so I don't want to repeat myself, um, which by the way, people go back and listen to our last one that we had. Yeah, that was amazing. a good one. We'll link it. It was so good. Um, but yeah, be fierce about you, what you focus on. Focus on the good. Focus on like in, in the relationships. Yes, relationships are hard. Relationships with their family, like parents and all these other things. And I was, I was thinking about what you were said about, um, was it mental gymnastics about dealing with your family, right? Um, I have a little bit, of, I, have, I have a lot of that. I think everyone. Yeah. And what really has, has dawned on me is that I owe a lot of my resilience and my character to the mental gymnastics that I have to do because of my family. So in some ways, our families mm. deserve our gratitude. Wow. Right? Like mm-hmm. you say thanks to your family because look at look at you. Look at what you've done. Like look who you've become because of that. You know, and who knows? Maybe maybe you agreed before that, that, that you're like, okay, Krista, yeah. here's who you're going to become, but here's how you're going to get there. So our, our greatest struggles can be our biggest teachers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. amen. I definitely know that in the relationship too, like with, you know, mine's less than, but I really don't say anything about the apartment or about bills or, you know, and I'm not married, I don't have children. So it's completely different. But the little stuff that Justin does, I really don't talk about. You know, it's yeah. like kind of my choice to deal with him always having a pair of dirty underwear on the floor in our bathroom. <laughs> Justin, I hope you're listening. Honestly, <laughs> definitely not. So, you know what I mean? It's just... My my burden, it's my cross to bear. Yeah. But it just doesn't matter. It's never going to change and it doesn't matter. And I'll drive myself crazy doing it. 
And then he has the opportunity to do that to me because I have stuff, you know, that's yeah. not perfect as well. Yeah. So I completely mm. agree with you on that. And think of how much you would miss that dirty underwear <laughs> if anything happened to the him. Damn like truth. you wouldn't. You'd be like, no, I'd I wouldn't. Keep it on the ground. For right. The rest of exactly. My life, honestly. Yeah. Those. The, the, that's kind <laughs> of the perspective that 100%. changes. Yeah. Wow. You're like, how lucky am I that I have a human that yeah. I'm living with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. What have you learned being in and out of hospitals and treatment centers and working with so many doctors? Like, I can imagine that you've basically gone to medical school in a sense. So for those of our listeners who are in and out of hospitals or have family members or friends, you know, what have you learned? Yeah, that's that's such a good question because before Dan was diagnosed, I thought I knew, I just knew so much. Mm-hmm. I had studied. <laughs> I just knew that like this SCACT cures cancer and that I would use that if we ever had cancer. Like you just, you read and read and read and and bless everybody's heart that reads because they want to be intelligent and they, they, they want to know. But when you're in it, like you don't know, like you try but you don't know. And the truth is the doctors don't know. They don't know. Everyone's trying. Now, that said, I have developed a genuine appreciation for modern medicine that I did not have before this. We chose not to do the traditional route in the beginning. I was afraid and I and I genuinely thought that Dan had better chances if we did some alternative type things. And hence Tijuana. <laughs> hence Tijuana, right? You're like, why do you and insurance didn't cover it? I mean, that was it was a huge burden. But I very much felt like modern medicine wasn't embracing ancient medicine. And ancient medicine, unfortunately, in, in lots of circles, shuns modern medicine. And so what I've learned is we just need a marriage of both. We we just we need a little bit of both. When we finally did start chemotherapy, it was when the alternative treatments weren't working. His tumors were starting to grow. I mean, modern medicine, we could see the scans. We could see the blood work. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working anymore. It had been working, but it wasn't anymore. So then we started chemotherapy. And guess what chemotherapy did? It shrunk the tumors. Like I didn't, I was so afraid of, you know, cause I was really into the whole woo woo stuff and all the alternative type things. And so I have genuinely learned to appreciate, like I said, modern medicine. That said, I can't go to a doctor's point with Dan's current doctor. I can't be in the same room with him. And I haven't been able to go with him for 18 months. His mother goes with him. She loves it. It's her time to connect because when I'm there with him, he insists that I face reality and that Dan's kind of on death's door. Like a year ago, he said to Dan, Dan, are you in pain? Dan says, no. And he says, well, you probably will be this week. And you've had a good fight. I've never seen Dan more deflated. I've never- Oh my God. Right? I was like, you don't, you don't know? Like, and your only job is to be like, you're not in pain? That's amazing. Keep up whatever you're doing. And for a while, he was very, he, he was very, very, um, I don't know what, the, insulted that we had even gone to Mexico or like the fact that I was doing all these other treatments. But then Dan would see him. He's like, man, like 
your scans look great. Like I don't, they gave him 18 months to live and it's been over three years, but never, ever once did he say like, what are you doing? Maybe my other patients could benefit from this. Like, let me, like, what are you doing to like, never. And he called me two days ago. I haven't even really shared this with anybody. My husband and my one good friend, he called me two days ago and he's like, Charity, I'm calling to let you know that I care. And I had just called the office because I did some research and found a medicine that helps with itching. So when your liver's shutting down, you itch. Your body can't get rid of the ammonia. So you itch and itch and itch all over. And they give them antihistamines, but this day it just really wasn't helping Dan. And I thought, well, what can I do? I'm like, well, I know how to research. I'll get on. I'll get online. And sure enough, there was this prescription that helps for this exact reason. So I call the doctor's office. Hey, could you see if you guys could call this in? I think it might help Dan. Well, he, then, then the doctor called me back and charity, I called in the prescription like you asked me to just re- very, very patronizing. I'm like, thank you. And he says, there's one word that I really need to tell you. Keep on, I haven't seen him or spoken to him in 18 months. And he says, hospice. I was like, what? Like, like Dan's in the other room. Like he's watching football on his computer. Like, do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? I was like, what? Like, I just, I, anyway, like it felt like somebody slapped me in the face like, and punched me in the stomach. And I was like, I can't even process what like he was saying to me. Anyway, so, so your question. So, what if but I, why? Yeah. I, I don't what, know. What did you say? You were like, like got I was like, it. Yeah, yes. I was like, Oh, why are you with this doctor? Okay. Do you have to be? No, I know it's ridiculous. I know. I, I say these stories and I shouldn't because I can't be the victim no, here. No, no, it was no, because no, but... Dan loves the nurses. Okay. They, mm. Right. They, they, they're Dude, the nurses. They're amazing. Right. Nurses they're the ones. Are life. Yeah. They are the heart of the hospital. Yes. And they're the ones that do the treatment and they're with him and he loves them. And, Aww. and so it's, it's all good. So the, here's what I've learned about medicine. Um, way, way, way too many people put all of their trust into a doctor, which is fine, except you, it's the responsibility is on you. You know you better than anybody else. When I used to teach these nutrition classes, I would tell people, if something I say doesn't ring true to you, like, don't listen to me. You, you cannot take this responsibility. People don't want the responsibility, right? They don't want the responsibility for taking care of themselves. Most people, because it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of work. They'd rather just put it in a doctor's hand. So doctor may be like, well, I don't know. You need steroids. I don't know. You need antibiotics. I don't know. Try this. So I, I have learned that, but unfortunately, and it hurts my heart to even say this, oh, I've learned that the alternative world is not full of miracles and magic either, right? The oils aren't going to cure cancer. Maybe, maybe sometimes, and, and this isn't going to do, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I kind of look at disease, um, like just a flaming fire and you need as many hoses as you possibly can. And modern medicine is one hose, but so is meditation. So is exercise. So is love and laughter and friendship and herbs and oils and healthy food and juicing, right? They're all hoses and, and you do the best you can with all of them. And, and then at some point you you go, I've done everything I can do. But when it's not terminal, you keep trying, right? If it, like, and that's one thing when, when I talk to people, like if you haven't figured it out, keep trying. And that's why I love being a part of very small cup, 
company, like a, a very small part of people's lives with, with products that I'm like, listen, I genuinely feel like a lot of illnesses start in the gut. Like here's a probiotic that I know will work. Or if you're not getting the food that you should, here's, here's vitamins that I know come from good whole food sources or, or that sort of thing. So because I'm a control freak, it's like one little element that I can at least offer to people's health journey. Mm. And the, it's interesting too, with the doctor, it's almost like because you tried so much, he was had to tell you that he only had this time to live. It's like almost like punishing you totally. for the years that you did of the non-traditional treatment. You know, it's almost like, okay, well, you did that. Well, you're, you don't have much time. And then it's like you found this treatment that he may have missed. And it's like another punishment. Yeah. Hospice is coming. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, that's crazy. And you know what, though? The there's ego there's, the there's ego. a part of me that I'm like, okay, Charity, you don't know either. So be generous with your love. This man deals with death. I know. I don't deal with death, right? Yeah. How many people... Does, like I don't know what he deals with. I yeah, don't know if, if this is his genuine way of saying, okay, here's this sweet girl. She's she's in the clouds and I just want to maybe help yeah. her. Like so so I've had to just choose. And when I got off the phone, I was like, okay, did he call me from a place of malice and hate? I don't think he did. Yeah. It hurt my it hurt my heart, but I just have to choose to be like, you know what? I think that maybe that was his way of caring. Is a pretty lousy way, but I know. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ooh. this is heavy. Like, I listen to your podcast to laugh, guys. I know, but like, you, but, but you I bring mean, such light and, oh, yeah, and, and focus on what's really important during this time because I think it's easy to spiral. You know, it's, it's easy to lose your way and you are such a light. And I just think about your kids and how they're going to, you know, in however many years, just look back at how strong you were and how, how honest and how much of how you just led with your heart, you know? And that's, I mean. Yeah. It's, you know, one thing my husband has said, even honestly, before he was diagnosed and he's like, you get one shot at life. Like he'd be like, we'd have four little kids. He'd be like, honey, I'm taking you to Hawaii. I'm like, no, you're not. We can't, we can barely pay the bills. He's like, I've got it figured out. We we can use some points to get there. And I found a cheap hotel or whatever. Like I was always like, no, 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 we can't. No, we can't. And he was always the yes guy. He's like, you get one, one shot to live life. And, you know, so yesterday I told you guys, we went up in my brother-in-law's airplane. Well, I had this really kind of this, this epiphany yesterday. And, and this is what it was that, and I shared this on my Instagram story, but I was like, a great life doesn't just happen to you. Like you have to make it happen. So here's the example of what happened yesterday. My brother-in-law, he's my husband's twin. He lives next door. He's super, super cool. He has a plane. He's like, Hey, I've got to, I've got to go up, put some hours on it. Do you guys want to come? Well, I just walked in from the gym. I had a hard workout. I was hungry. I had to do some grocery shopping. I knew I was flying here to LA all day. So yesterday morning I said to Dan, I was like, ah, I don't know. What do you think? And he's like, ah, I don't know. And then we kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know what? We should, we should just do it. Cause that's my husband's type. Like, like that's how he is. It's like, if there's an opportunity, you just take it. Anyway. So we go up in this airplane, we're flying over you guys, the Teton mountains, Yellowstone. We see old faithful go off. I know it's ridiculous. Seriously. The prettiest place on earth. And I'm like pinching myself. And I was like, 
you almost said no to this. And then I thought, why did I almost say no? Because it was easy to say no, right? Sometimes our life, just living it the exact same way, the same job, the same people, the same experiences, right? It's because it's easy. It's what you know. So that's when I realized like an enriching life that uplifts you, guess what? It takes effort. Like you guys stepped out of your comfort zones. You left your job. Like you're like, okay, I'm going to make the effort because I want to experience life. You get one shot. Life is not a dress rehearsal. So it's like, make it amazing. And the inverse is true. It's like, it like with that, you know, it's like, if you don't do the thing, then you won't get what you want, what you say you want. You know, like I was having a conversation with someone in my family yesterday and and they were talking about someone that they know that's really depressed, really unhappy, but wants to do this thing, wants to leave the family business and do this thing. And they're like, yeah, you know, they might quit and do it. I'm like, oh, have they started it? And they're like, no, they're probably going to quit the job and do it. And I'm like, okay, so why haven't they started it? They're like, well, you know, and just all of these things, I'm like, they don't want it. They're not going to do it. They're going to continue to be unhappy because if you want something, you're going to make it happen no matter what. And you're going to figure out a way. And right now you're going to use it as an excuse that the full leap is too much and you won't take the tiny steps yeah. that actually make sense. So it's like so often I will like come across people and from my hometown or like anywhere, you know, that I've been and they say that they want these things, but they won't take the tiny steps because they believe it has to be a big leap. You know, so if they look at almost 30, if I would have looked at almost 30 where we are now, I would have been like, oh, there's no way I'm ever going to get there. But it's really like the small things that you have to do. And, you know, in your case, it's doing the small things to like have these beautiful moments Mm -hmm. or saying the yes, when you really just have to check everything off on your to-do list. Um, But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's so Mm -hmm. true. It's those big, those little tiny things Mm -hmm. that that can make all the difference. Yeah. And people just say that they want things and they really don't, you know, their actions don't line up to what they say they want, you know? So it's like, oh, you want to live a really, really fulfilling and beautiful life. Well, you actually do have to put an effort behind it. It doesn't just happen to you. It doesn't just happen. You know, in a lot of cases, you know, we're privileged enough where, you know, in my case, I'm privileged enough to have situations and have, um, you know, support from my family to pay me through college and stuff like that. But you do have to also take responsibility if you do want to make a change or you're going to have to like live a life that like other people set out for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes people, their spark, their their light in them is dimming and they just need it to be ignited. So they they flip on a podcast like yours, like where they where where you guys are like, hey, like, look, like life can be amazing and it can be enriching. And so I'm so grateful for people that inspire me or motivate me. And I'm like, wow, you just like, my flame was so dull today. And then boom, like this that's spark. The yeah, that's the truth. That is the truth. Last question for me. What have you learned about love? Oh. Sorry. Oh. The thought of being without him. So painful, but probably only because the love is so deep, right? So I'm like, I've learned that love is everything. Like, love might my, my of my husband, love for my kids, love for humans, love for God, love for life. Like, 
love for goodness. It's everything. Like it's, it's just, it's everything. And people die without love, right? Babies die without love. Communities die without love. Countries are, are dying, right? With war, without love. Mm. Like love is everything. And, and like, like everything that's good, it takes effort. And I think of the love, like the things that I used to get upset about. You know, or just focus on the things that weren't amazing and rather than just seeing like all the good, right? All the good. And so I've just, I've been so, I feel so lucky in love. So lucky that I remember once like we, I, I was upset about something <laughs> and Dan would look at me and he'd say, like, I don't know what you're upset about. Like, You've got a man right here that loves you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? And so my heart hurts for people too that don't feel love or don't have love or feel that they need need love. And, and I'm trying to preface this because I think what I want everybody to know is they can they can find the love in themselves. Like I find the love from God and in myself that you don't need a man or you don't need a baby or you don't need, does, does that make sense I'm saying? But those things have enriched my life like so fully. But one thing that I've really had the hardest time is trying to navigate what will my life be like without love. And like I can't even like I can't even I can't go there yet and I'm just hoping that the love that we have is enough and will be enough forever forever and the love of people around me and the love I now try to see everywhere and you like I just I wish you, you listeners I wish you could see no, these girls yeah. faces like they're just they're you're both so beautiful they have tears in their eyes and like you guys are love and you're spreading love and I don't know. Our eyelashes are all clumped. I know. <laughs> we have tears all over our face. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, it is everything. It's just, it's in the face of something that is so, will bring you to your knees, like to be able to fall into the love and really use that as like the, the, sword you know what I mean is like you transcended all of the defaults that most people would turn to which is getting angry and and not appreciating each other yeah yeah I can I can see truly how sometimes the hard can rip people apart because it's it's too hard yeah right it's it's just too hard and I think my I think my husband I he, he is just He's an easy one I to love. I him so bad. Is he's he here? so amazing. No. <laughs> no. He's so Ugh. amazing. He's so amazing. I feel him. Yeah. 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 I've been lucky. Well, you will have to keep us in the loop as, as I know you will. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I still believe in miracles, right? Us too. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, this whole situation is a miracle, you know, for the length and for the perspective and for... You totally. Know. 
Totally. And I wanted to say about the love thing, it's like I've realized too that, you know, the amount of love you can experience in your life is the amount of love that you can like allow. You know, it's like the allowing and the creation. It's not like someone can't bring love into your life if you're not willing to receive it. Mm -hmm. The amount of openness you have for love is the capacity that you will be full, you know, is the capacity that you will receive it. So I've always had like, you know, you can have a relationship with someone and they can love you so much, but if you're not willing to receive it, then it's, you're never going to feel it. And they probably won't get that back. But there is something beautiful that if you have this huge capacity to love that you both can, you know, experience something beautiful. Yeah. Well said. I remember when I first was like, it was like my first time, Justin and I had been talking for like six months via text and we um, had seen each other probably twice. So we'd probably seen each other in person twice. That was probably the third time I met him. I got brought from Patagonia, which I was there for a month and we didn't, we weren't able to talk because I was, um, didn't have my phone or anything like that. And I was going to fly to New York that next day to spend the night with him. So it was like our third time hanging out, but I knew he was like the one. And I remember I was like with him and I was like, I really want to be with you because you had this insane capacity to love. Mm. <sighs> I was like, I just know it. You know, I just know that you have this like intense capacity to love that like, Mm. and he's like probably what (laughs) he's like dude we just met (laughs) no he like got it but it was but I know exactly what you mean and I'm so thankful I love that those people Mm. are on the earth right those people that have that capacity love to teach the rest of us what it feels like and Mm. what can it be like I was in the store and I saw this old man he just smiled he just stood in line everyone else is in line at Costco on their phones right and he's standing there and he's just smiling and I was just like, I want to be that. I want to be a light. I want to just be that that for people that might, you know, and we never know what we needed. And just in that moment, I was like, I needed his, I needed his smile. It just, mm. it just cheered me up. I'm drawn to happy people. I'm drawn to people that smile. I'm sure as soon as I saw Justin, I'd be like, oh, no, you would. I just want to be around you. <laughs> but it is that those random, like active, with those random times when you see active engagement in life. You know, and you see that man that is like actively participating in this moment in his life. Mm. He is at Costco, his feet are on the ground, he's in line, he's smiling at strangers. And it is like the best reminder and the most, you know, brave thing and the most beautiful thing that you can do. Because I mean, especially with our phones, there's such an ease to not actively participate in life, to sit at dinner, be on the phone, to sit watching TV and be on the phone. And it is a challenge, you know, that I struggle with. I I toggle back and forth between active participation and not. And there are times when active participation is not needed and you kind of need to regroup. But that is like the most beautiful thing when you, when you recognize and you see someone that's like here now. Yeah. And you know, it's so often we hear be present, be present. For me, it goes, it transcends just a little bit deeper than that. And it is, so I'm writing a book. I'll come back on someday when I'm done with my book. And one of the chapters in the book is called um, Commit to Connecting. 
right? So it's one thing to be present, but why are you, why are you present? It's to connect. Like that that man was offering connection to anyone that wanted it with his smile. Damn. Yeah, it's like so with my kids sometimes I like get off the phone, we're going to connect or mm-hmm. um it's just it's just making again that effort to really connect because we all we all we need we're not on this planet alone. I believe like God had the power to build a planet for each person and stick them on alone. If that's what you really, like, if you were meant to live alone, but we're not, we're all on this journey together. And I am, I like, I'm ignited when I can connect with people. Like even just now with you guys right now, like I feel more alive because of, because we've connected, we've shared and, and it could be the smallest, smallest little thing, but we're losing, like we're losing connection because of social media and these things that pretend that we're connecting. And that's the other thing I've learned about love. Like it just, it fills, it fills things that nothing else can fill. Mm. Oh, thank you. Heavy. Thank you. No, beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Incredible. This is going to help a lot of people. This oh, is incredible. Yeah. I hope so. I'm yeah. so thankful you were here. I don't want, never want you to leave. I well, I want you guys to come have a slumber party at my house. Oh, I would, I would love, love to. That. I'm not, I would literally love on to. the way here. I was like, I've never would been that to be Utah. weird if I was like, do you guys want to like come have a no, slumber no, party no, at no. my house? Utah's <laughs> my is so beautiful. It blows me away. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Okay. I would love we're that. doing it. Yeah. And flights are crazy too. Yeah. Is Yellowstone in Utah? No, no, it's in okay. Wyoming, but it's not far. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, quiet. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we're all faithful. Yeah, no. I geographically challenged myself, and I, I only mean, know that because of where I was yesterday. <laughs> God, yeah. Oh. But we'll go to how far away are you from Zion? Um, it's it's a little bit of a ways, three hours or something. Yeah, yeah, three three to four hours. Yeah. I'm in that battle. Yeah, we'll do it. It's mm-hmm. like it's the most beautiful. Place. Yeah, we just need to plan a little. Okay, okay. I'll get that. your beds ready. Okay. I cannot wait, honestly. <laughs> I need a little mom love, you yeah. know? I know, same. Always. Okay. Oh, so where can people connect with you? So so on my social media, which is A Vibrant Life, my company, which we didn't even really talk about, which I is know. totally fine. No, it's yeah. so Don't fine. It's silverfernbrand.com. <laughs> and then obviously on our social media, silverfernbrand and and um, eventually I'll have a website and, and a book and other things. So I'll yeah, be back. Your book is going to be amazing. Oh. And Silver Fern Brand is my favorite protein of choice. I like the chocolate and I've been loving the vanilla. I like it because it has probiotics. I never feel too full. The taste is insane. insane. Oh, and then those are so also good. our probiotics in my um, multivitamin of choice. Yay. And then also my digestive enzymes have been like so helpful mm. lately. I've been yes. unable to... And I'm not... I'm, I would say this normally unable to digest some things or I've just been feeling a little bit of indigestion. It's been such a game changer. So oh, I'm so and glad. I also love the, this um, fiber sweetener. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Uh, there's uh-huh. like, yeah, you guys, we've got 15% good off using code almost 30. So um, you guys know that we love them and you know, we're so thankful you're here and it's so nice to work with a brand like yours that is like rooted in all things good and it has really great and amazing products too. Oh, you guys are the best. Yeah, we love I you. Love you. Thank you. All right, guys, love we love you. you. Can't wait to see you in the Facebook group. Let's talk about all of the things and then please reach out to um, Charity and then check out Silver Fern Brand. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. So beautiful. We love you, Charity. We love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Um, okay, review of the week. 
five stars, share, share, share. Shout out to Lindsay and Krista for living so authentically and creating this beautiful content that needs to be heard around the world. There is not a single Tuesday morning when I'm not sharing this week's episode with a friend, family, um, family member, coworker, acquaintance, female or male, young or old. These topics are relatable by many and enlightening for most. Whether you are at rock bottom, starting your transformation in the mud of change or on the other side, maintaining your newfound peace. The Almost 30 podcast is the perfect tool for your tool belt. Let this community reach far and wide. Trust me, our world is better off because of it. Love you ladies, the A30 team and all A30 community. That's from Chrissy. Wow. That is- Thank you, sweet one. So nice. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for writing those reviews. Really appreciate it. Your five-star review and your review just takes a a few seconds and it really just helps us bring on amazing guests each week for you for free content. Yes. We love you. Check almost30podcast.com for our Mm. tour, which will be announced soon if it's not announced now. And we will love to see you in your city. Can't wait. And then yourpodcastpro.com, Y-O-U-R, podcastpro.com. If you're interested in starting a podcast, if you want to monetize and grow your podcast, you can find resources, templates, everything you need for podcasting there. And make sure you join your city's subgroup. We have subgroups all over the country and the world now. And if you don't have a subgroup for your city, maybe you want to start one, you can contact um, our community ambassador, head, lead, uh, queen, share a uh, community at almost30podcast.com. And we love seeing you all organizing events and getting together on your own. And it just fills us up. It's the best. We love you. We love um, you. And we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.